All right, this is Founding Lore Fathers, FLF, Episode 5. And tonight, Dan and I are without John, but we are joined by Brandon Wright, author of The Shadow of Cedarville and host of the Tinfoil Tales podcast. How are you guys, you guys doing? doing tonight? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Doing pretty good. Um, I think the problem with John is he was getting a little too close to the truth. So that, that they might have just got, truth, huh? <laughs> yeah. Ah, oh, poor John. That's not surprising at all. Poor guy and his internet searches. Well, <laughs> there's a possibility John will join us. Um, we will reserve a slot for him if he shows up, but if not, we will be able to get through this just fine. I know when you start digging into certain things, uh, the closer you get to the truth, the harder it is to uh, continue just from my own experiences. So once you guys continue to do this podcast, you might start noticing certain things don't want to work correctly anymore. So let's talk um, about that experience. Yeah. So you've been hosting um, Tinfoil Tales for a little while now. How about you give us a rundown of of what exactly you talk about? Because we share the same space in a lot of aspects. And, you know, we'd really love to hear about your show and just some of the stories that you've gotten along the way. Sure. Tinfoil Tales started... Well, it officially started last September. I think September 1st was the release of the first episode. But this is something that I've been wanting to do for a long time. And I kind of thought of the name years ago just because some of the things I looked into or whatever, people would call you a tinfoil hat wearer because I've always been interested in conspiracies. I've been interested in like cryptids, aliens, abductions, ghosts, anything like that, anything strange, anything unknown has always piqued my interest. I grew up in the nineties. I'm almost 40 years old at this point, but I was a huge fan of the X-Files. So you look the wall that I have behind my computer, you know, one can see it. If I had turned the camera, I still wouldn't be able to see it, but I've got all these 10, uh, 10 signs. Basically I've got the, I want to believe sign from the X-Files. I've got some Sasquatch. I've got the slaughtered lamb from American werewolf in London and some Mothman stuff or whatever. It's just stuff that I've always been interested in and I've kind of collected stuff with it, but I wanted to do a podcast more or less diving into conspiracies because I have a friend and I that we always talk about certain things that just seem strange. Like I was a senior in high school when 9-11 happened and even when I was in school watching it unfold, I thought it was strange that for whatever reason that every school had to turn on the TV and watch all this happen live as a 17 year old kid it made me kind of scratch my head a little bit but again i've always been someone that kind of questioned things so further on as my interest peaks into other things i've had a weird experience which we can talk about that a little bit here later but uh i felt like i couldn't talk about it because when you have weird encounters or weird things, most people are going to think you're fucking crazy. Sorry. Don't know if I can cuss, but. Oh, it's fine. Yeah. People think you're kind of crazy because stuff like that shouldn't exist. And if you talk about it, you're going to be labeled as either crazy or a tinfoil hat wearer or whatever. So that's kind of where I come up with the name. And the point of the podcast was I wanted to start interviewing people or having a co-host and we were just going to talk about conspiracies 
it didn't really pan out that way. So I started to interview other people about experiences and stuff that they've had or conspiracies or anything like that. And it just kind of snowballed from there. Like the first episode was with a friend and we talked about controlled weather, like something Uh, like weather devices. Yeah. Harp and other things. Like we just kind of shot some stuff back and forth. There's kind of, getting a feel for it. And the next interview I had was someone that said they encountered a dog man. And then from there I went from Bigfoot to UFOs to abductions to more conspiracies. And there's other phenomena like the red, red mark phenomena, which could be again, considered aliens. A lot of people don't even know what that is. So I can bring that up later. But yeah, I hadn't heard of that one. Yeah, that's that's it's not very often that you, someone says something strange like that, and I'm completely like, I don't know what that is. I've mm-hmm. been getting in a lot of people asking about it. They've leave me messages on the video on the YouTube, and I've gotten some emails from people about it. So we'll we can dive into that one here in a little bit. And then, uh, I've had a flat earth episode which. That was the most controversial episode I've had. I think there's some ones I've got coming up that might uh, be a little bit more controversial to some people, but we'll leave that. Nice. For, uh, we the had audience. the Flat Earth Convention in uh, in, in North Carolina. Yeah, it was in Raleigh, North Carolina, a couple of years ago. That uh, that's that's an interesting crowd. Yeah, that's the best I can say about that. I will give them this. I'm not a flat earther, but some of the things that they talk about will make you question certain things. Now, there are a lot of things they say make me like scratch my head. as like, are you serious? But then there's other things that they talk about and you're like, well, that could sound plausible. You know, um, I, if you don't want to believe in the flat earth, don't watch any flat earth YouTube videos. That's what I've told people. <laughs> I said, <That's- laughs> I said, don't watch that because the more you look into it, because I used to kind of laugh about it because I thought, what century do we live in and how bad is society getting? Because I've always said that they're trying to make everyone dumber. I was like, it's clearly working because now we're back to thinking the earth's flat. And so I started watching stuff to see how comical it would be. And I was like, "Uh uh-oh, this isn't fun. It's it's starting to make sense. (laughs) I had to stop stop looking into it. I kind of... I kind of always took it as I took it as like it was a way for them to show the flaws in science because it seems like a lot of times with science like our scientists they tend to get in this bubble where they think they've got everything figured out and it kind of brought in all the plot holes of what we really don't know altogether. My biggest thing with flat Earth is I believe it's based off biblical text and they use the Bible as a means of explaining things because in somewhere in the Bible, it was taken literal that there's the four pillars of the earth and that is brought up multiple times. And I don't remember the exact term, but I call it the dome that goes over the whole planet, like or the whole flat space or whatever, the never ending plane of earth. There's mm-hmm. like this biodome that we can't shoot through. And that's what all these, experiments were in the 50s these rockets and stuff they were trying to break through the firmament and all this other things i was like eh, i don't know about all that but Dude, that would suck so bad like if you're if you're in the rocket ship and you're going up and then you find out there's an invisible barrier and you just just hit it like a fly on a windshield <laughs> oh. well 
They don't. <laughs> the thing I think is the funniest about it all is they don't believe Australia exists. At least some of them don't. <laughs> oh, like, I didn't know that. I yeah. didn't know that at all. <laughs> it doesn't line up with some of their theories for traveling and everything else. So Australia isn't real. I was like, so what happens when I've interviewed people from Australia? Am I just interviewing decoys, like fake people? Inter having interviews with people from Australia that are uh, just AI replicants. They're not really real. They're just here to dissuade everyone to think that the Earth is a globe. They're like the birds of uh, the global map world or of, our, of our atlas. You don't know how many people don't believe birds exist either. Yeah. <laughs> like, that, that is it's, another, that's another conspiracy. That's I'm another conspiracy. I was like, I have chickens I've raised and I get eggs from them every day, but if they're not real, I don't know what I'm eating. <laughs> what am i uh, so the, the birds aren't real thing is something i was exposed to like uh secondhand so uh a band i saw a couple of years ago one of the uh, the road crew had on the shirt that said birds aren't real they were standing next to somebody who had a shirt that said east coast motherfucker and um that, that was a conversation i wasn't quite ready for when i was like dude that shirt is fucking hilarious he goes no nah, man they're not real <laughs> <laughs> I haven't had anyone come on here to tell me the birds aren't real yet. So I guess if anyone checks out your guys' podcast and wants to come on Tinfoil Tells to talk to me about why birds don't exist, I would love to have that conversation. <laughs> if I find somebody on the internet, I'll send them your way. Yeah. No questions asked. I've never had uh, anyone tell me that birds don't exist. I've seen people talk about it and make jokes about it, but I've never actually seen anyone that truly believes that. Well, you know, you bring up a good point. Like some of the stuff you don't want to know because of technology that we have today, like anyone can make a very good movie. And and you would have to just question all of it to see if any of it's real. And I I don't want to be convinced. Like I don't, I seriously don't want to sit here and like watch a YouTube like documentary on why birds are real and go, man. I don't think birds are real. I don't want that to happen. <laughs> so I'm going to stay away from that as far as I can. Yeah, I I would listen to it. It would be a interesting uh, discussion. I'd leave it at that. I've uh, I've went down some rabbit holes before, and, and uh, I think that might be one of the most outlandish ones yet. So tell me about your book now. It just came out last week. Is that right? Yeah. Before I can, I can tell you a little bit about the book, but I'll have to give some backstory to it. But the book is basically about a guy who was heavily influenced by myself that had a strange encounter and caused him to start doing podcasts to try and research things that, that explain away what actually happened. And then from there, it kind of snowballs to he meets up with someone else had the same type of encounter and they start investigating it. And then it just goes on and on. So basically the theory of the, or not the theory, but the story plot line is a guy that becomes so obsessed with what he saw and wants to figure out what it actually was and turns into more of his obsession to uncover the truth and to protect people. Mm -hmm. And then without ruining the whole story, it, it, it builds from there. But if you'd like, I can kind of give a rundown of what my actual encounter was that caused me to start this podcast. 
it's a, it's out there. So if anyone was telling me this story themselves, I'd take it with a grain of salt because it's kind of ridiculous, but it's, uh, for what I can tell you, I a hundred percent, it is what happened. I wish it didn't happen because it makes no sense. There's no logical explanation for it. But basically, so, one, I'm sorry, Jay, cut you off, man. My bad. But no, one of the things that I have learned in this is to always listen to someone because, and yeah. some of the stuff we'll talk about a little bit later in the show, and some of the stuff we covered before. There's a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot of strange stuff that we don't we can't wrap our heads around and we probably shouldn't be able to wrap our heads around that happened in our world. And some of it's otherworldly, some of it's not, some of it's you know, people fucking around, some of it's government cover-ups. So we're here and we're ready to listen, man. Um so we're, no judgment here. Basically, this started in February of two thousand and seven. I used to work at a warehouse. We stocked paper and this warehouse was on the outskirts of town, which is not too far from where I lived at the time. So I still lived with my parents. I just moved back home and I lived maybe like four or five miles down the road and like around the corner from where this place was, but on the outskirts of town. Well, our day shift supervisor like he ran the whole place was on vacation so the lady that we had as our third shift boss wanted to leave early because it was our friday it was thursday night friday morning so she told us we got all the orders pulled and everything delivered we could leave whenever we were done so we hauled ass did everything we could to get everything done so about 4 45 we usually don't get off until 6 30. she was going to write out our, our time cards because every friday we never clocked out anyway. She would always just write us out like 10 minutes early. But we ended up leaving about an hour and a half to two hours early. So we leave and the guy in front of me, that one of my coworkers, he's driving. And we turn down this county road, which kind of goes off towards the highway, which is kind of where I lived. I see him and he's probably maybe a thousand feet in front of me roughly. Again, I don't know. It's dark outside. But I see his brake lights light up. And all of a sudden I see him swerve and go down into the grass, like ditch line and shoot back out and keep going. And at this time I'm like, what is this drunk guy doing? Like I, I refer to him as drunk because we always had a running joke that he always was drunk because he'd been in jail for fighting five cops and got into like a bar fight and he was in jail for like nine months from it or whatever. Just kind of a, Whatever he's he was the type of guy you didn't want to really want to piss off in general, but that's one hell of a reputation builder. Yeah, getting drunk and fighting five or six cops. Yeah, he, he got into a bar fight and took like five or six cops to arrest him, and he got tasered twice. Was the story? So I don't know if that was just a story or what, but he was in jail for nine months, and that was what everyone said why he was in jail. So I didn't want to, I didn't want to push the vibe too much, figure out if it was true or not. But anyways, he swerves, goes off the road, and then. As I get closer to where he was, I was like, what is going on? I see this big black figure walking down the middle of the road. Now, I can't like physically explain the way it was walking without not being able to explain it. This thing looked like a person wrapped in a black cloak or blanket. Like I did not see a head and I didn't see any arms, but it was very tall. 
and it was leaning forward almost like the top half of it was really heavy so it was like hunched forward like an old person would be like using a walker but it didn't have arms and it was swaying as it stepped and it was almost like it was flopping in the wind and I always describe it as like when someone you ever see those blow up dancing inflatable things. yeah inflatable like tube men wacky yeah. wavy inflatable arm man that's literally yeah. what it looked like without arms, but it was like flopping when it would step. It didn't look natural. It was very otherworldly. I don't know how else to describe it other than the way it was walking didn't make any sense. And it wasn't floating. It was actually taking steps. I had to swerve myself because the damn thing was walking in the middle of the road. And at this point, I slammed on the brakes because by the time I got up to it, I thought I was going to hit it because I thought it was a drunk person or something going on a midnight stroll out in the middle of nowhere wrapped in a blanket like i didn't know so i kind of hit my brakes to see what this thing was and it walks right past my driver's window now i'm driving a 98 ford explorer i've looked online a ford explorer is 67 inches to the top supposedly this thing was at least a foot taller from what i could see because i couldn't really see the top of it trying to look out my window and it was still leaning forward. So if it's a foot taller, leaning forward, it stood straight up. It had to have been over seven feet tall. But again, I did not see arms or legs or any definitive detail of what this thing was. And I can't say 100% sure, but I think it actually bumped into my mirror when I kind of stopped as it walked past me. Once it got to the back of the vehicle, I could see between its legs, like where it was taking a step, I could see the ground. And then the blackness of the leg. So it was, wasn't translucent. Like you couldn't see through it. It was a solid mass. But it was just black. I didn't see fur. I didn't see clothes. I didn't see anything. It was just like a solid black figure. This is in the headlights, right? So it's pretty early in the morning. So the sun isn't quite up yet. Is that right? Yeah. yeah this was okay. like 4.30 in the morning. There was no sun because it was in February. So it was pitch black outside still. And in the headlights, everything was black. But when it got behind me, it was in my taillights. So it was red and I could still see this like the actual legs and everything being illuminated red but you can tell it's like a black figure and then uh, I turned on the gas because I was like I'm getting out of here because clearly this is crazy hang on one second I gotta take a drink sorry about that but uh I drive down the road and I see where my coworker had pulled into this parking lot. Now, this is right before you get to the highway. There is a state, like, highway department. And then uh, as we're sitting there, like, he pulls in and I pull up next to him. He's freaking out. Now, this is this big brawly guy, beats up people, goes to jail. He's freaking out because whatever was just walking to the road. So I roll all down my window. He rolls down his window. He's like, did you see that? I said, yeah. He's like, it didn't have a fucking head. I was like, I know I didn't, I didn't see a head on it either. He's like, what was it? I was like, I have no idea, but I'm going back. And he said, no, we don't. I was like, no, we have to go back to see this thing. Cause I was like, I need to know what the hell we just saw. So we turned around and we drove back to where we thought this thing was. And as we get to the same area, I'm not going to say the same exact spot, but the same general couple hundred feet area, I see something laying in the middle of the road. And it's big and black. So I'm like, well, clearly this was what it was. And it's laying in the road. So as I got closer, it looks like a big dog. 
And by a big dog, I mean bigger than any dog that I could think of at the time, but my brain's not processing correctly. So as we get closer, I, I get out because it's just laying there. It looks like it's dead. And as I like start to walk towards it, I'm maybe 15 feet from it. It raises its head up and looks back at me. It's facing the way that we're driving this way. Like it's facing the same way that thing was walking. Like we were heading to the west and it was walking to the east. This thing is laying across the road facing the east. But it raises its head up and looks back at me and its eyes are glowing yellow. Now I write that off as our headlights were making its eyes reflect because eye shine or whatever. I'm not saying it had glowing eyeballs, but its eyes were reflecting the headlights. So it was glowing like an animal's would, but it lets out this really rumbly growl. And like, it just one of those growls that like kind of resonates with you. So I stopped because, okay, it's not dead. And I was like, all right, just watch and see what it does. Cause at the time I'm still thinking it's just, a big dog. Well, it starts to stand up and it stands up on like, tries to be four legs like a normal animal would. And it kind of like does a little bit of a stumble. And then it stands directly up on two legs. And I don't mean like a normal dog would stand up or kind of has its arms or its front paws or whatever sticking out strangely. It stands up like a person and looks directly at me for maybe a second or two, not very long just enough to stare directly at me and then it kneels back down to what appears to be on all fours and then goes off into the grass. But I never actually seen it use its front legs when it left. It looked like it still had his legs kind of arched up. So this was like, okay, what the hell is this? But the area that we're at used to be a deer preserve. It actually still is. It's called X factor bucks or something like that. But there was about an eight foot tall to 10 foot tall fence that went around this whole area because it used to be a hunting preserve where they kept all these special deer. And this thing went right towards that fence. And once it got to the fence, we didn't see it anymore. I don't know if it went through the fence, went over the fence, went under the fence, or just straight up disappeared. But once it got to that fence area out of our headlights, it was gone. At this point, the coworker gets out of his car because he wouldn't get out when I was walking up to it. He was actually screaming at me, calling me crazy, telling me to get back in the car. And once the thing growled and looked at me, he starts really screaming to get back in the car. And I'm an idiot and I didn't listen to him. But he gets out, walks up to me. So I kind of go back towards my vehicle too. And we're like trying to discuss what this was because clearly I don't know of any type of dog that can stand up like that. And I have to explain the height of this. When it stood straight up and looked at me, I'm six foot three. The thing was about eye level with my eyes. So standing up, it had to be almost six foot tall, if not a little taller. I'd say probably six foot. I don't know of too many dogs that stand up on their hind legs that are that tall. I have a German Shepherd. When she stands up on her hind legs, her head comes to my chest. Great Danes seem like the only ones that seem to get close to that when they stand on their hind legs. And that's still shorter than six foot three. Well, this dog looked like the typical wolf type of a mm. dog. Like it was all black, solid black. Its fur wasn't reflective. And I know people said, oh, it was a bear or someone in a suit. If you're using fake fur, usually 
when a headlight hits it or a light hits it, if you look at a toy, a stuffed animal, or any type of suit, there's a kind of a glowish reflection from that fake fur. So this, it was like Vanta Black. Yeah, this is like an animal. It was it was a real animal. Like it was mm. like dirty hair, but it was puffy hair. It wasn't like it almost you know what a child dog hair looks like where it's kind of puffy. Yeah. It had chow dog hair. It was puffy looking, but it looked like a German shepherd in the face, but it was all black or dark brown. Like, mm. I can't, again, whatever. It did not have werewolf hands, like the Hollywood dog man or werewolf style hands, like people hand. It had normal paws. It was just very big, like a very, very large dog that for whatever reason could stand up like a person because it didn't stand up like the way the legs would be bent for a dog standing up, it stood straight up with his legs straight. They didn't have those weird bends to him like a normal dog's would. Right. But as we're talking, and this is the part that actually creeps me out the most. And everyone's like, why? I was like, well, it's, I'll get to that in a second. But as we're talking about what just happened, because clearly this is crazy shit going on because we just seen some strolling down the road and then we see a dog as we're talking about what's going on I happen to look down by our feet and standing right between us is a mouse just a normal looking mouse not a big deal I don't know of too many mice that come up between two fairly large humans and just stand there and I mean standing on its back legs and it's cleaning itself I never thought about this until like the last couple of months Everything that we've seen that was strange was all on two legs at one point or another. But this mouse is sitting kind of on its butt area, like it's on its tail, but it's washing its face. Like it's meticulously like rubbing its face with its paws, its two front paws, and like cleaning itself. It looked really wet, which is strange. It wasn't like wet outside or anything like that, but it's like meticulously like trying to like clean itself. So I nudged it with my foot, be like, okay, this is strange. I've never seen a mouse this close in the wild come up to a person. And I touched it, and it doesn't even care that I just nudged it with my shoe. Like, it literally just keeps on cleaning itself like it's oblivious that I just touched it. At this point, I'm like, all right, that's, that's weird. Like, of all things going on, this mouse is standing in me, right between me and him having a conversation, and I touch it and it doesn't even care. So at this point, we leave. I told him, like, I'm going home. And he left. He went off the, down the highway, and I went straight across the highway. I went towards, took the next road, went to my parents' house. But I went to bed because obviously I worked third shift, so I was tired. I got up the next morning or afternoon, whatever you want to call it, and I got on the internet and I went to like some unexplained phenomena forums or something. Because back in 2007, we didn't really have some of the things we have these days. So I didn't know what to look for. I've never seen anything like it. So I drew a picture of this dog looking thing and I posted it on this forum and someone said, Oh, that's a Michigan dog man. I was like, Oh, what? Never heard of that before. So I started looking into these things and apparently it's a phenomenon that goes on for years and years and years. Like people have reported these things, not just in America, they're more widespread in America, but they've been seen all over the place. And then that's kind of, I think the whole werewolf lore and even like the ancient Egyptians had Anubis and everything. They're all like the same type of appearances, like these dog headed humanoid looking things. I don't think what I saw 
was humanoid in the sense of it didn't have the typical man body like the with the five fingers and the big feet or whatever it, it still looked like a dog but it just stood up like a person but i found all this stuff out and i took it back to work and when i went into the warehouse the next time i went to work i think it was like two nights later our coworkers were laughing when i started talking about it and tried to show the picture so my coworker gets mad at me and basically threatens me and says if i don't stop talking about it He's going to deny it. He's going to get pissed off at me. And I just need to stop talking about it because he doesn't want people thinking he's freaking crazy. And he thinks I'm already crazy anyways, because that's they joked around. They'd always call me crazy just because of some of the things I would say as far as like conspiracy or whatever like that. I don't know. It was just kind of a little, we all had nicknames there. He was a drunk ass and I was crazy and everybody else. I won't say some of the other nicknames because they're a little offensive these days. Yeah, well, 2007, man, the golden era of the internet. So, lots the of Wild West days of it. Yeah. So, I, I, I am kind of, I, I am, I, obviously, there's, there, we can't look back in time, right? But the fact that you went across this thing and it seemed almost disoriented and you drove right past it and then you rolled back up on it. Now, I'm not familiar with the Michigan Dogman or Dogman lore at all, to be honest with you. Um, is that like a, a transformative thing? Like, I mean, is it, is it is, I, I think there's a difference between it and werewolves. Shape shifter? Yeah. They're, that... they're all different. A werewolf and a dogman are not the same thing, but I think they are into the sense this and it just is my opinion so anyone listening and wants to come say oh he's a know-it-all knows he's no i am not one of those people i'll be the first to tell you i don't know a fucking thing <laughs> i yeah. just have there not to go off on a tangent but there are so many people within this cryptid and not even just cryptid like this niche of what we do of weird things but specific people for Bigfoots and dogmen and all these different types of cryptids. They literally think they are the end all be all and know all of everything. And if you do not agree with them, they will have their quote unquote fan base attack you and cancel you because you don't agree with what their God have just told them, which I don't, my thing is none of these things have ever scientifically been proven and or been studied or even known to exist. So how can someone say they're an expert on something that has not even been proven to exist? You don't, you're not an expert. You're just guessing. There's a lot of gatekeeping in this community. Yes. Um, I know that I, uh, I, so I, some of the, the writing I've done for the show, I came across a couple of Reddit threads. One of them was, uh, it was Dogman on the Bigfoot subreddit. And, uh, they do not like the idea of Dogman. The Bigfoot crowd, it's such a strange thing to see because, like you said, none of this stuff is none of it's proven, none of it. So, if we don't have actual Bigfoot evidence, we don't actually have Dogman evidence. But for them to sit there and say, oh, yeah, the Dogman people are crazy, that's it's a little bit out there. But, and it's not even like it doesn't seem that out there to me to think that there could be some kind of like missing link that has survived over the years, like, cause it is proven that homo sapiens killed off all of our somewhat relatable humanoids. And to think that they could have survived in the, like the wild men and the mountain men, 
I don't think it's out there. It's too extreme to think that. And, and I know that uh, I myself have run into what I think is a Wendigo. And I had the same thing. I had nature around me, like either getting really silent or acting really weird too, like creatures acting out of their normal, coming right up to you. And I know that's one thing they say with Wendigos is if you're dealing with one of those, if nature starts acting peculiar, you might be dealing with one specifically or it could be like messing with the nature around you. I think, and I'm not, again, I don't want to sound like one of those gatekeepers, but I just had an interview that came out this week with someone from another podcast. And he has, it actually was about ironically Wendigos. And from what he said, he's part native American. He said from the actual descriptions of what the original Wendigos were and white people, settlers, whatever, came over and basically bastardized the original Wendigos and had to make them more evil-looking and scarier than what they were. The original Wendigos were just long, skinny, like white humanoids with long black hair, and they had like usually no lips because they were so hungry they ate their own lips off because that's what... And then it wasn't until later on, like these white settlers or whatever, started changing the lore to basically saying they had these skeletal deer heads and like they kept the same type of bodies but the heads became more like skeleton deers or something like that like which is if you look up a wendigo those are pretty much all the pictures you see these days it's a real terrifying fan art dude yeah Mm. so if you look at my latest the artwork for my latest episode i don't know if you see it on spotify but it literally is a it almost looks like a alien type skinny zombie looking thing i did that I used AI to make all my artworks, so but I do use the AI generators. And I specifically made it from like how his description was. I couldn't get it to have the long black hair, but it basically from his story, I tried to implement that because apparently if you see one of those things, I think they kind of follow you, which is say the same things about skinwalkers too, which that's a taboo thing that you shouldn't talk about. Apparently if you listen to some people, but if you mention a, a walker, I won't use the other term, uh, you're opening up a way for them to come to you. That's true with a lot of these uh, cryptids is it's not until you, you notice them and you're aware of them that it's kind of like if you, uh, if you buy a car and you think you're buying something that nobody else has got, and then you start noticing other cars that are the same make and model going down yep. the road. Yep. You I know, know what, what you mean. Saying? Ford Ranger. I know one thing that um, Michigan and other states up north, it's legal to own uh, a wolf that is up to seven-eighths wolf. <clears throat> it has to have some dog in it, but there's a man who just legally, he, he, he found a puppy in the woods and he nursed it back to health when he couldn't figure out what type of dog it was. And when he took it to the vet, they were like, this is a wolf, a straight up timber wolf. And he has domesticated it. And I know that a lot of people who have not ever seen a wolf in person are taken aback from the fact that they're a lot larger than they expect, you know, because we've been around dogs for our whole life. And then you see an actual wolf, you're like, oh, wow, that, that's a lot larger than I thought it was. Yeah, yeah. Dude, they're, they're, they've got some size to them. There's, a, um, there's an exhibit at the Greensboro Science Center that's got some type of red wolf. 
and they look it's it's freaky looking seeing them especially when you're you're right looking at a german shepherd it's small i know I will, um with what these 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 wolf dogs and even some of the people that own wolves you can own a female but they say it's almost impossible to own a male because they're territorial and they're um alpha animals and you'll constantly be in competition with becoming the alpha of the pack. I know around here several people that actually have hybrids, and I have not seen one that's like black. They usually look like more of the husky type looks. They usually seem like they breed them with a husky. But I do know several people. There's actually when we lived in another town before we moved up here a couple of years ago. They um he had a couple of them and they were very mean. They actually attacked the neighbor kid and tore his arm up, but they were anyone that I know that's had one. I've only seen someone else that had one and it was, it was really, really big, but it still wasn't nearly as big as whatever this thing seemed to be. But to kind of go back to that, a lot of people have told me it was a bear. Now, I'm not stupid enough to mistake what a bear looks like to a dog. One of the big things to me is bears don't have pointy ears. At least to my knowledge, this thing had the typical dog, wolf, pointy ears. Bears, if they have ears sticking up, they're usually kind of rounded, I believe. I'm no biologist or zoologist or whatever, but this was not a bear. And I know how a dog looks and how a dog would walk and everything else like this to me, it just looked like a very large dog. Now, the thing that is weird about it all. And I have, like I said, I didn't talk about this for basically 15 years. I didn't even talk about it. I started doing my podcast and I was interviewing people about their stuff, but I never really talked about what happened to me because again, I didn't want to make my podcast about myself. That wasn't the point of it. I wanted to, give a place for other people to come on and share their stories because I felt like I couldn't share mine because literally people are going to think I'm a lunatic. But now that I've kind of come out with it a little bit, a lot of people are like, oh, it was a bear. The other day someone told me I was abducted by aliens. I was like, how do you figure that? They claim that we were both abducted and they implemented these images into our brains and covering up what really happened. I was like, I mean, I don't necessarily believe that either, but I guess that's plausible. I mean, it makes just as much sense as a friggin' skinwalking, shape-shifting dog thingamajigger. I don't know. This is where I get hung up on it. Like, for 15 years, I rationalized it as logically as possible. Because, again, I'm a skeptical person by nature. So mm. I wrote it off of... It was a dog that was screwing around with a mouse. Found a mouse out on the road. It was playing with this mouse. It was hopping around. And someone must have hit it with a car. That would explain why its front legs didn't seem like it was wanting to use them when it ran off. So I was like, it must have been hobbling around on two legs when we came up on it. And it was why it looked like it was weird moving around because obviously it doesn't know how to walk on two legs. So its front legs are hurt. That's what was going on. That's why the mouse was all wet because the dog was messing with it. The mouse was traumatized. End of the story. That's... That's the common, most sense, logical explanation that I could come up with. The part that makes zero sense to me is whatever was walking when we drove by, we didn't see arms, we didn't see legs, 
or we didn't see a head. I mean, we saw legs, but, and it was so much taller than the dog. If the dog stood up, it had been towards the top of where my vehicle was. When this thing was leaning forward, it was over seven feet. I can't make up the size difference. The dog's legs were nowhere as thick as whatever was originally walking that we came up on. Like those were really, really thick legs. So someone has been telling me that we probably encountered the same thing and it was trying to morph itself into something natural looking. So we've encountered the first thing. It was in the middle of changing and then it turned into the dog. And at that point it changed into the mouse. I am very Uh, skeptical of believing that, but again, I I can't explain it. I, I do have a question. I know that you mentioned you did see the eyes. Some people that have said they've encountered the dog man or other creatures like that said that they could tell a difference between looking in the eyes of it versus like another animal. They could sense like there was intelligence. Could you kind of, did you get a good enough look that you could sense that there was some kind of advanced intelligence? I feel like the only reason it stood up to look at me was to let me know that it could do that. And I need to stay away from it. I don't know if that's intelligence or animal instinct, but I don't know. I don't know if a dog would stand up on two legs, but Hey, don't fucking try me. You know, that's yeah. a dog would growl or this thing stood up and it wasn't growling. It just like stared at me for like a second, like, Hey, and then it went off on its business. Now, this is where I come up. Everyone's like, oh, you know, when you're looking at a dog, man, you're terrified. Most people, they piss themselves or you can, it stares into your soul. I wasn't afraid of it in that sense. Like, I was more in like confused, like confusion area of like trying to figure out like what is going on. Like, I wasn't like, oh God, I got to run for my life. It was more like, what, what is this? You know, like that, that's my mentality. But I've always told people I'm also the idiot if I ever see something like this again. I get so mad at people sending me photos that look blurry. I feel like, oh, here's a dog man. I was like, no, that is a friggin' tree stump. But it's so pixelated that, and I don't, I think the term is paraolia or something like that. People look for these things so much that they start seeing faces in like clouds or they see faces in everything they're looking at. I feel like that's what a lot of these people that are looking for cryptids end up seeing. Like they want to see it so bad that they believe what they're seeing in these photos or what they're hoping it to be. And well, it's really case, easy when you're, when you're looking for something to yes. put two and two together. And that yeah. is, uh, it's what it's very detrimental to a lot of people, but I did want to comment on um, what you said. Like, well, if you see a dog, man, you're going to be scared. No one knows how they're going to react in situations until they're in a situation. And that's one of the things that I learned responding to emergencies. And you see somebody just cool as day. You see somebody's freaking the fuck out and they're both in the same thing. That's why when you listen to like true crime podcast or stuff like that, it's, it's drives me crazy when you can listen to someone making a 911 call and they go, Oh yeah, that person's guilty. You can hear it in their voice. You know they don't care. They don't know what's going on. People process things differently. No. You never know what's going to happen until you're right there. That's why I've said anymore that uh, if I ever see something like this again, I hope I have the gumption enough to pull out my phone and go on like Facebook live stream or something, and I'm going to go after it. So I guess if I get killed, it'll be live stream for the world to watch, but I'm sure someone will still say it's faked. 
<laughs> that is a uh, that's a way to go for sure, man. Uh, I put that in my top five ways to die. No. I see some strange cryptid or alien or some sort of beast out there. I'm going to be the idiot that goes after it. Cause you, it, I get so mad at people. Like you see these videos, Oh, they recorded it for five seconds and it's walking the other direction. Well, why didn't you follow it? Like, why did, why did the video just cut off? That's why I get so frustrated. Like, Oh, here's hundred percent confirmation that these things exist. I said, no, I literally just see probably a guy walking away and you made it completely blurry because we're in 2023 and the quality looks like it was recorded from a 2005 friggin' Nokia flip phone or something. Which, maybe it's Motorola, I don't know. Maybe the Nokias were the little blocks. The flip phones were the Motorolas. But, I know. Well, we, for sure. The way I think about it is like, with any type of ape, you know, pound for pound, the strength that they have and their muscle structure... Um, I mean, they can literally tear you apart limb by limb, and that's just chimpanzees or, you know what I'm saying, any, any, especially a gorilla, and you're talking about a six-foot, seven-foot tall ape. I mean, it's definitely going to be detrimental to your health if you encounter it, and it's not friendly. Well, some people said that they, when they encounter these kind of things, they either feel a little bit entranced or sometimes like they can tell it's like looking almost like looking into a human's eyes. Like they can sense emotion behind them or that I know that there was a story of a park ranger that encountered a, a dog man creature. And she said that it was looking at her and she could see like expression change with its eye, like its eyes, its eyebrows. I don't want to say eyebrows, but she could tell that, it was intelligent and that it was going to mean her harm. So she started to run and it was just chasing her as she was trying to run back to the, uh, the their office or, or whatever it was. So it might not necessarily be that um, fear, they might not know what they're encountering, but they can sense there's something behind the eye, like contact that they make. In my book, I used actual stories and lore to build like kind of the plot line like basically the first chapter is about the encounter i just explained to you guys and the second chapter is kind of like still kind of influenced me i started a podcast the character started a podcast and he's interviewing these other people that have had the same type of experiences but during the interviews for there i took information obviously from other interviews or other stories that I've seen or whatever. I changed it up a little bit, but the lore is still the same. And they claim with these dogmen, most people just write them off as being 100% evil. They claim they look at them and they can just feel the hatred like steaming from them as they view into them. And a lot of people say when it looks at you, it wants you to be afraid of it. Like it wants you to know that it can kill you and they hate you and there's been other instances which i've just recently had an interview with someone else too and i've heard other ones as well but these things supposedly talk to people which i've heard this about sasquatch too you guys know survivor man les stroud the tv show he was on another podcast and he swears that when he was out and i don't know exactly where it was but he was out there to find Sasquatch and the thing was talking to him telepathically. Sounds crazy to me, 
A lot of people report the same thing, though, with dogmen. They claim that they can hear it mimicking people's voices. Now, people said, oh, that's not true. Again, who knows? Who even says this thing is even real? Like, I saw something that could have been that, and I still don't necessarily believe they're real. I mean, but anyways, they said uh, this one instance, and I kind of wrote it in my book a little bit, kind of changed a little bit about it. But someone said the thing was looking through him at the window, and it wanted it to open the door, or was telling him to come out to it, something like that. And I just interviewed someone a few episodes ago, and this is down in Texas, around San Antonio, I believe. He said his wife had came out of their house, or his mo- their mother's house, and uh, she heard her mom calling out to her, so she went back in the house. But it sounded like it was coming from the woods. And she went in there, and her mom was like, no, what are you talking about? She goes back outside to get in the vehicle with her husband, and she says, there it is again. you hear it? He never heard it. But she swore the voice was coming from the woods, calling her to come out there. Well, I don't know how much longer this was, but they ended up putting like a mobile home out there and they lived on the same property where her mom's house was. They had like, I don't know how many acres he said, but there was some woods around it and everything, big rural area out in Texas. And her son, he heard around 3 a.m. He heard some noise, so he gets up to go see. Her son is looking out the window and he's like, what are you doing? He said, mom's telling me to come outside time for school. He's like, it's three in the morning. You need to go back to bed. He's like, no, mom's outside yelling for me, telling me to come out. He said, no, you're, you're just sleeping. He said, he's looked out the window. He didn't see anything, but he thought it was strange that there was telling him to basically come out to the woods and the same type of voice mimicking that she had heard to come out into the woods. And I told him, I was like, that's interesting to me because I've heard other people say that they've seen these things in their doors or their windows and it's telling them, let me in. And I actually just thought of this last week. That is a saying that I've heard from other things. It's almost like vampire lore to an extent. And I've also read it as demonic. This thing is a seven foot tall raging beast, what most people claim. Why do you have to open the door and invite it to come into your house? It could just, if it was a flesh and blood monstrous animal it could just bust through your window and grab you and eat you if that's what it wanted to do why is it you have to invite it to come into your house that makes zero sense to me well, that's an interesting thing to pick up on to hear that a few different times um that's not something i've come across well, i also you remember the fables like uh, the three little pigs yeah the big bad wolf what did he say to him little pig little pig let me in man and uh I looked that up just recently. I was written the first printing was sometime in the 1800s, but they said the fable for that was a lot older than that. But that was just the first time it was printed. Same thing with uh, Little Red Riding Hood and the Big Bad Wolf, where the wolf walked like a person and ate the grandma, put on the grandma's clothes, mimicked the grandma. Like all these old stories are about the Big Bad Wolf. And then if you go back into, I think it was the 16 or 1700s, they had the werewolf trials going on over in France because there was killings and animal slains, and they started almost like the Salem Witch Trials where they were accusing people of being werewolves. And anyone that seemed to, uh, well, no, this, this is not true. We shouldn't do this. They were hung as well because they were also obviously a werewolf because they were going against the church and everyone else. Kind of like the whole witch trials. Like, well, 
I'm glad we don't do that these days. We don't set people on fire. We kind of gotten a little bit better here in the last 50 years, but you know. Dude, I, I know entirely too much about the fucking witch trials. <laughs> I know entirely too much about the witch trials. Um, I wrote I wrote a piece that I'm I'm, I'm shopping for different uh, different publications about the witch trials, and uh, man, that it gets weirder and and sadder every every single step along the way. And those the werewolves tie-ins and all that shit. Ah, man, what a time to be alive back then, dude! You could just accuse somebody of being a witch. Yeah, <laughs> and then your problems take something like that, and you get the same thing. You just like, they don't bring out the pitchforks; they just cancel you. Yeah. Um, to answer your question about why it would call you out to the woods or um, look for an invitation is uh, we all know that I'm fascinated with South America and learning all I can about South America. Well, um, a lot of the tribes out there have learned how to imitate the sounds of the, the monkeys that are native to um, to South America. And they're not a confrontational type of warrior. What they do is they wait on an ambush. And maybe this is, you know, as an apex predator, maybe it's an ambush type of predator. And it's it's got a place where it's camping out and it's waiting for its prey to approach it, in a sense. Um, I know I heard a story. This this guy was out with a group and they were they were um they were studying the migration of the the a certain type of ape in um or monkey in in South America and they noticed that they kept hearing what sounded like this monkey and it was coming from all around them but what they had learned is that these monkeys they they travel in packs and they stay together and when they realized that they were completely surrounded they were like this isn't the monkey and they noticed that the call was kind of weird. It didn't sound quite right. So the one guy gets on his hands and knees and he turtle crawls through the river and exits out of there. And then the other guys get ambushed by this tribe who had learned how to imitate the calls of this monkey. And one of the, one of the, uh, one of the, uh, one of the scientists was shot by one of the tribesmen. And then they all started arguing with that, that tribesman. They're like, you know, cause one of the scientists could kind of speak their language and they were questioning. They're like, what have you done now that you shot him? There's going to be retaliation. What are we going to do? And they're sitting there in fear. They're like, Oh man, are they going to kill all of us now? You know, so there's no survivors. But one of the things that the scientists that escaped said was like, how he noticed that the call wasn't exactly like the sound of the monkey. And that's what tripped him off because he was like, man, if you hear something in these jungles or in the woods that aren't quite right, then uh, it's definitely indication that it, it could be a human. You know what I'm saying? And I just thought that was kind of fascinating. Yeah. I do know. I, oh, go ahead. You go ahead. I was just going to say, when it comes to primates, that's a completely different thing for me. Like, I think there are a lot of things going on, especially if you want to call them Sasquatch or whatever it is. I I believe something like that could very well exist, but I don't understand. It has to be very, very intelligent. And obviously primates are very intelligent. And 
I guess I don't know where I was going with that. I kind of had a brain fart. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's, we, we've had experiences where, um, my brother and I, that, uh, we think it's a Wendigo, but same thing. Like, uh, we had like just a generic voice call from the woods, like, hello, hello. And there's, there's nobody out there. And then another time I heard glass shatter. And then right by where we have a security light, we had another glass bottle roll across like it was trying to get me to walk down there. And uh, I, of course, I'm not taking the bait, but just to go along with what you're talking about with how they knock on the door or they want to be welcomed in or they even try to almost entrance people. Uh, that's just something that I've dealt with personally. Yeah. The thing with Dogman and even the Sasquatch with the whole mind speak, they claim that one of the other things that apparently these things do, and I've heard this on a lot of different, like I've had to look up and research a lot of stuff. And I listen to other podcasts as well. Just when I, oh, they got a Dogman encounter on this. I'm going to check this one out. Um, some of the things that people have said that I've always I try and pick out key things like similarities. A lot of similarities from what people are saying is these things look at them and it smiles at them. To me, that just seems strange. If this is a animal, why would it smile at you? Like if dog mans are real, I don't think they're just a normal animal. There's something more to them than that. Now a Sasquatch, I could totally write off as an unknown primate could be super intelligent because obviously primates is something that we know exists. Gigantopithecus supposedly existed what a hundred thousand years ago. They say, who's to say that some of them didn't survive and they've evolved to what these modern Sasquatch are, but a dog man, there is nothing in the known geology or genealogy or whatever the exact term is. Again, I'm an, an idiot. Don't know anything, but I don't know of anything in evolution that would point to an upright walking canine. Right. Not to my knowledge. Not one that can talk to you telepathically and smile at you. Yeah, right. evolution's a weird thing, dude. You get all kinds of strange things that are out there. Like birds have four chambers in their heart, and they shouldn't because <laughs> they're birds. And apparently, as we mentioned earlier, birds aren't real. So, yeah. Well, earlier you mentioned pareidolia, and pareidolia isn't just finding faces and things and characteristics. It's also like, you know, when you run across a pack of hyenas, a lot of people think they sound like they're laughing, and they're not laughing. That's them preparing to, to attack. And even, like, with um, with apes, when they people, like see them and they think that they're smiling at them or you know what really what it's doing is it's showing you its teeth it's letting you know hey i'm an animal and i will attack you yeah yeah but i i think that it's with them if it if it's something beyond our realm of understanding it could be like when we were talking the other day about the interdimensional beings how they have some they call the tricksters and even people like people that believe in demons, people that believe in them being interdimensional beings, even people that are just tripping on DMT have encountered the same trickster. And it could be that, that they're, this is just a game to them. Like we're just something like the prey to them that we're just a game to toy with. I, I don't know. 
I'm glad you mentioned the tripping on DMT. Someone just recently on Reddit said we are clearly on drugs. <laughs> I'm going to make this a hundred percent clear. I do not do drugs. I wasn't on drugs at the time. I can't speak for the other guy because obviously I don't know what the hell he was on or if he was on anything, but this is where the logic needs to come back into play. Even if we were both on drugs, why would we hallucinate the same exact thing? Like that is something strange. How would we all hallucinate the three different instances? Why did he swerve off the road? Why did I manifest seeing the same right. thing that he supposedly swerved from? And then how come I went back and seen a dog on the road and he never got out of the car, but he's seen the same thing. And then we both were talking and we manifested a mouse in between us. Right. Like, it doesn't work that way. Anyone that anyone with common sense would understand it doesn't work that way. There's a lot of details in there too. Yeah. Yeah. There's a second person. The mouse thing is fucking weird. That's real weird. That's what I've always said is like the mouse is the creepiest thing to me because I physically touched it. Mm. So I know it was not an illusion because I could feel it with my shoe. Like when I nudged it, like it was solid. It was, it was really there. Like when I nudged it with my shoe, he kind of moved over a little bit, but he didn't run away. He just kept going about his business. Now you mentioned the fact that it, you know may, maybe it went from because I, I didn't even put two and two together earlier that it could have been two different two you saw two different things I just assumed it was the same one, um, but the mouse, the mouse just happened to be there and finding like okay there's something else here I'm standing next to these big things maybe it'll pick the big things first as like a self preservation thing, like that thought was immediately what crossed my mind but then you mentioned the possibility like someone else I should say. Said maybe it went from wacky waving flame alarm man to dog man to the mouse, and that's why it's always standing up. It's it's you definitely had a strange encounter, my friend. Again, I don't know what happened, and people want to argue about it. And like someone had balls to tell me that I was wrong. This that didn't happen. Were you there? <laughs> like. Who are you to tell me what I saw and what what happened and what didn't really happen? Because clearly, if you weren't me or my coworker, I don't care if you believe it or don't believe it. Because personally, if someone told me the story, I'd probably be skeptical about it anyways because it seems ridiculous. But maybe because it's so ridiculous, that's why it's believable to me. Because, again, I experienced it. It is what happened. Is that... Did aliens come down and probe me and implement this into my brain? Sure. I mean, why not? I mean, it makes just as much sense as the story itself, because again, it's, it's all ridiculous. I don't know. And I'll never know. And I guess of all the times everyone wants to get off work early, this is the one time I wish I never got fucking off work early. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Now, now one thing that I have found with people who have had these experiences, is it, really shakes them to their core. Um, and you held this in for 15 years because you were, uh, obviously they were self-conscious, right? Like, okay, people are thinking I'm crazy. Now, when did you bring this up to your spouse? If you don't mind me asking, like, what, how did that conversation go? I don't remember exactly when I said something. I, I've told them before about it. And I don't know if they ever believed me. Again, because it... A lot of people don't believe in this stuff and that's fine because again, I'm skeptical too. I don't believe I have people all the time come on my podcast and I don't try and discredit anyone. And 
to be honest, I believe that everyone that comes on my show believes what they're telling me, but that doesn't mean I have to believe their story. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. Like I believe that what happened to them is their truth, but there doesn't mean their truth is correct. And that's how I've always right. looked at it. I think there's more to it. I'm not telling anyone to believe my story because again, I'm just going by what happened. I don't know a hundred percent if that's the truth, but it's my truth because that is what happened to me. But I can't say I know what it was because I don't know. I'll be the first to admit, I don't fucking have a clue of what happened because to me it's ridiculous. But when it comes down to understanding stuff like this and explaining to other people, I didn't really talk about it to many people. I'd said some stuff here and there to a couple friends or whatever. No one ever really talked about it. So I always got the vibe that they're probably thinking to themselves, all right, he's fucking crazy <laughs> or something like, like under their breath. So I didn't really mention it too much. And then, um, for whatever reason, I was at work for the company I work for now. We we're actually out serving and I was with another guy and he had talked about having lived in Alaska or whatever. And I asked him, I said, uh, Oh, you lived in Alaska. Ever had any Bigfoot experiences? And he just kind of chuckled. He didn't really say much about it. And for whatever reason, we're just, I was like, you know what? I'm going to tell this motherfucker my story and see how he reacts. And then there was just awkward silence afterwards. I was like, yep, he thinks I'm crazy. That's <laughs> <laughs> so bad. If someone from Alaska thinks you're crazy, dude. <laughs> but uh, There's a lot of strange stuff going on up there. I believe anything out of Alaska. Yeah. But I felt a little bit better, I guess, talking about it. And then, like I said, I got this podcast going on, and I told the one guy. I've told a couple other people, and no one ever really like gives me any feedback about it. And then... It wasn't up until this past summer. And I have another podcast. It's called Dark Side of the Scene. I don't know how much longer we're going to be doing it, but we interview musicians because I also used to be in a metal band. My co-host is still in a metal band. We interview nice. other we interview other musicians about the struggles they've had with playing music, like playing crappy venues, bad bandmates getting yep. ripped off by stuff like the dark side of the scene, the stuff that no one ever really wants to talk about. Yeah. So, we're musicians too. So I know all about that. Awesome. So yeah, you guys, I'm uh, not, not at all. <laughs> I do stand up, but that's open mic stuff. Very different from music. I'm not talented, but yeah, we, uh, we do that podcast and I don't remember, like, I don't remember exactly how it came about, but one of the guys we were talking to, kind of friends with I like I've played in a couple different shows with them or whatever we know who each we know each other from band stuff of like we're not best bros or anything like that at all and he's dating someone from my hometown and for whatever reason I just told it like what happened on that night on that episode and then I took it and then I moved it over to the tinfoil tails like I just took that section it was like it ends up being a 12 minute little section called what's walking down the road. And it's kind of a, not a very in-depth reaccounting of what happened. That was the first time I'd ever put it on the show. Now, the first time I'd ever talked about this publicly was last year on another podcast. And they interviewed me to talk about me being a podcaster, basically, but some other strange things that happened. So I told them 
the story never really oh yeah yeah well, that's very strange no one ever really like reached out to me no one ever said anything to me and i don't know whoever even listened to their episode i mean it's whatever and then within the last month the main dog man podcast that i'm aware of i posted the story up on reddit basically and a lot of people giving it the arrow up thumbs up whatever you want to call it on reddit and said oh you need to share that more you need to tell more people about it and we believe you and i was like oh i figured everyone's gonna be here ripping me a new one saying i'm full of shit because it's so stupid so i reached out to a different podcast and i don't know if you guys want to name drop other podcast or whatever so i won't do that but uh oh you can dude we're we're all for it. Plug them away. Well, eventually someone will hear it. But unless it's bad, then maybe don't. It, it, it's not bad, but I don't want to just like plug other things. It's called Dogman Encounters, and I don't have a problem with that guy. But for some reason, other people do. Like it is what it is. Like like I said earlier, I feel like podcasting. You have all these gatekeepers, and they all think they yep. know what you're talking about. So. If you're a fan of that guy's show, you can't be a fan of this person's show. And there's just, it's, it's all stupid. But anyways, I went on his episode and he, he told me to talk about tinfoil tells. So I did, and I got like a couple hundred different YouTube subscribers from it. And obviously I'm not just on YouTube. I'm on all the streaming platforms as well, but most of the people for his show, he's on all the platforms, but they all came to my YouTube and they're looking for dog man, dog man, dog man. I was like, I don't just do dog man stuff. Like right. that's not, that's not what I'm about. I, I want to know about everything. I want to interview people that had experiences. Everything's strange, but I told it on there and that's kind of where the idea for the book came about because people were talking about, Oh, this and that. I was like, well, I sat down this is very strange and I'm a hyper fixator. So basically, if I start something, I'm not going to stop until I finish it. And it was two weeks ago today, I think, two week, two or three weeks ago today, I started writing. I got home from work, and I started writing on my phone. And I would take what I was writing, and I would send it over to myself in an email, and I'd send more over. And then I downloaded this Grammarly app or whatever it's called, trial version, because I don't know a thing about formatting correctly for a book or whatever. I'm not a writer and I don't really read that much. So I started off writing what happened almost like a biography. And I was like, you know what? This would be better if I just wrote it as a fictionalized book. So I changed some stuff up and I just kept writing and writing. And like four days later, I had a 152 page book and it's on a six by nine. So I don't know what it would be like a normal size book of where I just know it ends up being like 152 pages. And I posted it up on Amazon they sent me some stuff. I got back and started reading it. I was like, well, this stupid app, AI app that's supposed to do grammar and spell check and everything did not do it because one of the first couple sentences, there was <laughs> something misspelled and made me look stupid. Like one of the first things someone's going to read these misspellings. And uh, so, yeah, there's been a couple of reversion, like a uh, revisions of it, but the one that's on Amazon for sale now is to the best of my knowledge. Correct. I haven't, read the entire book again i put it in audio format i just had a free little app to talk to myself so i played it as i was driving and it took like three hours to listen to it but anything i noticed it sounded strange i went back in and found it and 
tactics. So I think this is the correct version, but no, it's a uh, started off basically from what happened to me 15 years ago and turned into this fictionalized novel. But like I said, I've took a lot of the lore from Dogman and encounters from other people and wrote it into this book. I'm no expert on Dogman. I'm no expert on anything. I'm just a guy with a microphone. Well, you definitely won't have anybody thinking you're strange or making stuff up here. I mean, I personally believe they're trapping human souls and making them work our smart technologies. That's just something I've been studying myself. So <laughs> no, no judgment here. <laughs> I, I will say this for any of your listeners out there, if they want to come over and check out my podcast, and I don't know when your episode is going to air, but my Halloween episode is going to be something a little different. It'll be my first interview without an actual human to the best of my knowledge. I'll just, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> nice. That's a hell of a teaser, my friend. Yeah. yeah. It's, um, it's a Halloween special, but it'll be the first non-human interview. Fascinating. I know I'm interested. when it comes to the spirit world, it's the, when, you know, like, Something strange happens to you and it scares you. Like you said, it's your truth and you hold on to it, but it's that validation that really frightens you. Um, my mother, when she was young, right when her and my dad first got together, they, uh, she moved out of the main trailer that she was living in and bought one right, right up the hill that was right next to the graveyard. And she said that, my dad, because it was such a drive, wouldn't get home till eight o'clock at night. And about seven o'clock, she would lay down in her bed. And she said it sounded like the, the screen door would come open and shut. And she heard somebody walking across the uh, kitchen floor barefoot night after night. And she would get up. She would swear that it was her brother. She would run down to the main house. A lot of times he wouldn't be home or he would be like, I've been here the whole time playing Nintendo. Like I haven't gone anywhere. And, uh, you know, moving forward, her and my dad get a house and they build it down the hill from my other grandparents. And she said that when she first moved in there, she thought it, whatever it was, it followed her because before my dad would get home, same thing. She would hear something open the door and walk across the floor barefoot. And uh, she was a beautician. She was working in the shop one day, cutting the mortician's wife's hair. And they got to talking about the burial procedures. And the lady was like, you know what I think strange is they put a full suit on you, but they bury you without shoes on. And my mom turned white as a ghost. And she was like, oh, my God. And it like to her, that was the validation that she needed. Like all those years living next to that graveyard, all those souls in there without any shoes on. And you couldn't yeah. tell it otherwise. You know what I'm saying? The whole paranormal realm is very strange to me. I almost believe, I don't know if it's a spirit realm, a different dimension or whatever. But the more I've been digging into things, I feel like, I won't say ghost, but sometimes I think that what people think are ghosts are actually another reality blending into ours. And 
I think that's maybe what these weird cryptid things are as well. Maybe they're not from our world itself. They're not. I'm not saying they're aliens, but to an extent, they are an alien in the form of yeah. not being of our world. That would explain how whatever I saw manifested and disappeared right in front of us. Like, where the hell did the damn thing go? And then a lot of people say they see Sasquatch and it goes around by a tree and all of a sudden it's just gone. It's vanished. They say the same things about a lot of stuff like this. And then people see, they call them shadow men. I don't think. Oh, right. I'm familiar with them. <laughs> I, I I've seen them. For... I have an episode and it's called shadow man, but I don't think it's the correct term because they're not really shadows. The ones that I'm talking about are the ones that like are cloaked like predator. There's a lot of those lately. And I've seen, I've seen that. Yeah. A lot of people see these things cloak like the predator is like, basically you can see something there but it's like reflecting everything else around us. It looks unnatural, but it looks, if you wouldn't be paying attention, you wouldn't really notice it. And I've seen some pretty convincing stuff when it comes to that. And I don't know if it's someone screwing around with, what's the point of faking something? Oh, I got someone, I fake this and they believe it. Okay, cool. Like, I don't, what recognition do you get for that? Well, unless you were using like uh, some kind of uh, like video editing, the only way I could think you could make that happen is if you were using heat because heat kind of like makes mm -hmm. that same effect, but to make it in the shape of a body. Cause I've seen some of those videos too. And it, it's pretty convincing to me as well. Like, unless, cause like they're shooting these with like their iPhones yeah. and it's like, how would you like, I know that when they filmed predator, they were using like a camera suit where it was like filming what was behind them. And it's like, mm -hmm. you aren't going to have that at home. You're not going to have a green screen set up in the woods. You would see it. So it's like, it, it is pretty convincing to me as well. But no, I actually interviewed several people can, and they were all like, boom, boom, boom. Like right in a row, they'd all mentioned seeing something like the predator. I thought that was strange. Like multiple people in a row were talking about seeing some weird predator looking thing. So I started looking more into it. And I think it was actually on like the missing 411 that uh, David Polites series or whatever. I think he even talked about that in one of the, one of the releases he had something like someone had saw this thing in a tree, like looked like a predator, but now this is where the, the rabbit hole really goes down for me. My uh, assumption to this would be if you believe in the simulation theory, maybe these, shadow people or cloaked figures are actually the creators and they're only if you play video games you know how when you go into your view mode and you can go around when you're building things and you can see things maybe that's what they are the great creators are walking around blending into the universe checking out what they're building mm. I've, told, I've told people that and they just kind of make some weird face to me it's like oh you don't know what the simulation theory is never mind <laughs> nah, we've, we've talked about that too I've, I'm. Yeah. it's crazy too how scientists are coming around you know, they don't want to necessarily believe in the religious realm, but they're kind of in a back way coming around to thinking, oh, well, maybe there's something that created us. And then, you know, I don't necessarily think that the truth will be sought in a book from two or three thousand years ago. But if you look at the idea that, you know, they're looking at a creator and now you're looking at a creator because the Big Bang has some flaws in it. Yeah, you know, like, is there not a way that these two worlds could coincide together, like the science realm and the spiritual realm? I actually had an interview recently with another podcast, and they're all about conspiracies. But I feel like 
I maybe offended them because after the podcast, they've never responded back to me. They never promoted me here <laughs> on the episode. But I, I am not a believer in the Bible in the sense of it has been rewritten by man so many times, and that's where our opinions differed when I brought that up. Like They're like, well, I don't think you have the right interpretation of that. It's still... You believe in all these conspiracies, but yet you're going to tell me the Bible is 100% true? Like, that's where... (laughs) I've got a a fun fact for you. So, um, the King James Version of the Bible, the most widely accepted version of the Bible. Uh, King James wrote a book called Demonology, in which he uh, made the legal argument for killing witches. (laughs) That's the dude who got the Bible to everybody. And it was a power play. So it's very hard for me to to look at that and go, okay, well, that's version two. And from there, it's been translated so many times. Like even like Jehovah's Witnesses have their own version of the Bible. That's hard. That's what I tried to explain. Like you have to understand that, oh, this is the word of God. The word of God, according to the person who wrote it. Like, again, it was written by man. I could turn around and say, whatever book you're writing or whatever book I wrote is the, the word of God. God told me to write this. So this is the word of God. My book about dog man is literally the word of God. He wanted me to talk about it. And who's to deny me because it's the same thing as people said, this is what God told them. So they wrote the Bible. Like that's where I get hung up on it is I'm not saying religion is wrong. If it works for people, that's great. I just don't necessarily buy into it, I guess. Right. My thing so, is, uh, is when it was being translated, I mean, because of King James and because of his standing, if anything coincided or, or, or went against what he was trying to have people at the time follow his rules or whatever, I mean, why wouldn't he be inclined to change a few things to, to follow what he was trying to get these people to do to obey him you know what i'm saying well julius caesar did that i mean they they have parts of it added in there that um where he talks about you have to pay penance to caesar or something like that i forgot which book that's in but i mean he was like the leader of the of the roman empire at that time and it's like clearly he's putting his politics in there Oh, dude, the Catholic Church was pissed off when people read that and they found out that uh, there's parts in the Bible that talks about how it's sinful to give money to the leaders of the church. <laughs> and a lot of people died. A lot of people died. <laughs> so, that's probably my favorite fun fact about the Bible is the interpretation of the Bible has led to a, a comedically amount of dead people. Oh like, yeah, it's, just, it's nuts. The whole religious war era of of English history is cool. it's fucking crazy, dude. Religions um, in general are just another form of control. They're stories yep. passed down to keep people in line to what someone that decided to make the religion that these people needed to be this type of position. You have to do this, otherwise you're going to go to hell, or in the other really you're not going to get to go to paradise or whatever it really is. They're just rules and stuff implemented to piss off a God. Like if you do this, you're going to make this God mad at you and you're going to be a bad person and be damned and everything else. So that's where I struggle to try and talk with people that are 
so religious and like this is what happens this and this i'm glad that you believe that like if that helps you that is awesome but don't tell me that i have to listen to what you're doing because you're basically trying to control free thinking and i feel like that is what most religions were all about they didn't want anyone to think for themselves and i don't think they still do and today so um you know i, I know i know we, we don't have a ton of time left and it's getting late guys um but maybe this just be a teaser for the next episode so the information that i have written up is about a gentleman named paul benowitz and it's involves aliens and misinformation from some of our favorite three-letter agencies and a lot of that information that came from the government and passed through the UFO community centers around a lot of what we talked about today. I think it's a great story to tell. Um, but in one of those one of those cases, they one of the theories that got passed from one of the the boogeymen to the UFO community in the mid seventies was that we were genetically altered by a, um, a primate was genetically altered by an alien species. And that's how we ended up being where we are now. And that becomes like the, the whole UFO thing becomes a religion to people. And when they see it and they have these moments and they get really caught into it. And I'm, I just feel like I needed to put that out there because that, that is that is a hell of a topic. I have an episode that I actually just had the interview with last night, so it won't be coming out for, I think it'll be like my 50th episode. But it kind of talks about what you just referred to. But the guy I interviewed, he's wrote this book, and um, it's called The Hidden History of Humanity, and you can only find it on his website. And in order to find his website, you have to go to a specific search engine to type it in. Very strange, but I understand why he does it because he's done a lot of research and a lot of the things he talks about are stuff that, uh, and I straight up asked him, I was like, are you afraid to come forward with stuff like this? And he said at this point, he's had so many death threats, he doesn't care anymore. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, and he's not just some crack ball spouting stuff off like he is very intelligent like he has multiple mm. books out about mathematics and also like he is a very smart person and he's done all sorts of research and he's very well versed in a lot of knowledge a lot of the things he said that he does specifically is uncovering information that is being suppressed so I'm looking forward to having that episode come out because I have a feeling that might be my second ban on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, earlier you were talking about how you like the uh, you you're really into the X Files. Did you ever watch the Lone Gunman spinoff show? I have not watched that. My wife and I started watching X Files again just recently, and I watched all as a kid, but I never watched every episode. So we're trying to finish it up, and I just got to the season where Mulder is no longer on the show. So I think I have like one or two seasons left, but mm. I have not watched the Lone Gunman spinoff. Did you hear the theory or what happened behind it on the first episode of it? How they kind of predicted 9-11? 
I've heard something about it. I know like, that was the first episode and they end up not ever airing it again because didn't nine 11 happen like a week or two later. Well, the, the episode came out about six months before. Oh, okay. So, so it was like, even it, it might've aired like right before it happened, but they started filming it in like March or June of 2001. And if I, I don't want to give away, if, cause I know if you haven't seen it yet, if you want to watch it, but it, it's spooky how accurate it was and why they were doing this um, behind it. Like there was more to it than just some tin pot terrorist in the desert wanting to attack the, the United States. They, they go into it pretty deeply and, and then you kind of opened your eyes about that. So I didn't know if you'd check that out, but yeah, definitely check that out if you get a chance. Yeah. If it's on Hulu, I'll definitely watch it. Like I said, I'm trying to finish up, uh, the actual original series. I've never finished it. So it was something I've been wanting to do. So, um, that's a quick aside. So I know that X-Files, they did a pretty good job, um, bringing in people who were ex-military to go over different, um, different show subjects. Like I know they had a couple of, um, Air Force OSI on there running through some projects. So if you see a couple things that look like they're pretty close to like a, um, a conspiracy theory, it's probably, probably from some dude who knew too much as a consultant on the show, but 9-11. So you talk about the, uh, X-Files show being canceled. There was a, so the guy who wrote, um, Fight Club, Chuck Palahniuk. I'm probably Palahniuk, something like that. Palahniuk. He wrote a book called Survivor, and the story goes: Survivor was going to be, or it was was being filmed, or was scheduled to be filmed, and it got canceled because of 9/11. And that is one of the craziest books I've ever read. It's about a, um, it's about the last remaining member of a cult, and he ends up stealing an airplane. Anyone out there listening to that that book? It's called Survivor. It's worth reading. I don't know how much but, time you guys got, um, but uh, I don't want to go down the whole nine eleven rabbit hole. But I'll just say I no. believe it's <laughs> an inside job. But yeah, we, I know uh, we, we usually cut about this time, so we got to okay. go a little bit longer. There's no problem. There's a couple little things I know we'd mentioned earlier. I said I'd get back to. Um, you said the three letter alphabet agencies. And we'll see if they're listening, because if my internet gets cut off, then we know they are. I've been having issues the past couple of months when I start to refer to certain things or certain topics. And one of my guests that came, I was talking about psychokinesis and how a certain agency was experimenting with that back in the 60s and 70s and up until like what Stranger Things is from or whatever, like. That's the type of stuff they were really doing. And while she's trying to talk about this, and literally I said something about a three-letter alphabet agency, she left the Zoom meeting. I was like, oh, did I say something wrong? All of her internet in her house completely shut off. She had to get in her vehicle and then drive a couple miles down the road and use her phone just to get service to continue the conversation. And while she's talking to me, the dashboard, like the screen in her dashboard in her car, she was parked flipped upside down, which I didn't see that. She said, it's never done that before. She doesn't know what's going on. It's really weird. And then like someone started to walk up towards her car, but apparently it was someone just checking on her, make sure she was okay. I was like, hmm. I didn't say this to her, but I'm thinking, were they in black? <laughs> what were they? Was it the man in black? But she had said she was on the DOD website prior looking up research 
to talk on the episode. I was like, well, there was the first mistake you did. <laughs> you went into a DOD website looking up uh, psychokinesis stuff and how they used to test it on little kids. Mm-hmm. But so that was the first time I ever experienced internet issues. And then the following time I had another interview and they were talking about Dogman stuff and mysteriously weird noises was going on in my internet. And then I've never had a, I've been podcasting for a year. I've never had an internet problem. I have fiber internet. So I have super fast internet. And then I lost a connection completely. Like all my internet in my house just went off. I was like, it never does that. But literally I'm in the middle of a podcast. My internet just cuts off. That's strange. And we were talking again about Dogman. Now other podcasters have said the same thing that when they talk about Dogman for some reason, they have internet issues. I find that very strange because why is that something that would cause internet problems? I'm not talking about a government created thing or whatever. It's just a supposed cryptid and a lot of people talk about that. They've had issues with their recordings. So I don't know. That's the only real experience I've had. I had one the other night. I heard voices coming through my headset and no one was talking. So that was a strange one. But I don't know. I didn't get picked up on the audio. Like I I went back today and edited the episode. And I was like, I heard myself say something. I heard someone talking, but I didn't hear it in the audio. So it's strange, but I heard it earlier. So I don't know how that works. But the other thing that I'd mentioned before was the red grid mark phenomena. You guys are not familiar with that. Basically what that is, people have these red marks. They almost, to me, look like hickeys. And they're in intricate patterns on their backs. Now, not all of them are intricate, but they're like just placed on their backs or anywhere on their body, really. And when I first started looking into this, I hadn't heard of anything else about it. Literally saw, I was in a UFO abduction group looking for guests and someone said something about these weird marks and someone said, it looks like red grid mark phenomenon. I was like, hmm, what is that? So I started digging into it. And the guy that created the group on Facebook, I ended up having him come on. He did a, um, a survey with over a hundred and something people. And the survey is actually available on that group. So if you're a part of that group, you can get into the files and it's on there. A lot of people's not familiar with the thing, but it's definitely worth looking into. I've had people, for whatever reason, they've messaged my wife to get a hold of me about this because they're freaking out because their wife has it on. And I was like, my wife has no idea what I do on my podcast. Don't be trying to contact her because she doesn't know anything about this. <laughs> you got to hit those privacy settings, man. Yeah. Make her do it. <laughs> Make sure she's not on. Yeah. But somehow they found my profile because they saw the video on YouTube and they figured out the podcast name and they figured out me and then they found her because they were messaging me, but it wasn't coming directly to me. So they started messaging her. I was like, okay, that's strange. But I've seen photos and I I go back to crop circles. Like some of these designs are intricate, like a crop circle and they're on these people, but they're not always perfect, but they're these red marks and they almost look like a burn pattern. They don't usually hurt. And they just kind of go away on their own. People have went to the doctor. Doctors don't know what they are. I mentioned this on one of my episodes, that that conspiracy episode. They never heard of it either. So the guy actually got on the Mayo Clinic's website 
and there was a bunch of questions, like I think he said 27 pages of questions about it and not a single answer from the Mayo Clinic as to what this was. And as of today, no one still knows what it is. Like it's all just, I got comments today from someone saying that their boyfriend had it and woke up and it was on their back. I've seen pictures of little kids and this is what upsets me. I was like, if someone is doing this intentionally, like I have a, a Stedman, it's basically a spit filter, like a pop filter for my microphone, even though I don't think I really need it, but I have it on here. It's got that grid pattern. Imagine a bigger grid pattern, shoving it against your skin and holding it on there for like an hour. And then you'll see like a red mark grid around yourself. Like someone sits on a chair and it's got like a grid to it or something. You get up and it's kind of, in there that's what some of these look like they've been on little kids foreheads or their chins and i'm like if someone's pressing something and burning it to their kid's face they're really fucked up to try and take these pictures and i can't see someone doing that to like a two or three year old to me that's crazy if they are they don't need to have children but these pictures are in this group because they're terrified because what's wrong with my kid? Doctors don't know what it is. Anyone's seen this? Oh, I come across this page and you know, I've come across your podcast. I can't help people because I don't know what it is. Like I, I'm not an expert. I just happen to interview someone that's had it <laughs> like, but yeah, that's, I can't really give a whole lot of details to it other than there's really no rhyme or reason. Like I asked if there's a certain type of blood type, these people if that was something they said that was actually asked there is no rhyme or reason to that different seasons happens people get them a lot on their wrist it's common on the wrist but a lot of them's on their back or on their butt so a lot of time people get them and they don't even know it because it's on their back so they never see their back but it's definitely something for you guys to look into it's one of those weird phenomena out there is it aliens who knows yeah, I one like one last thing that I have is something that just happened to me recently. The other night when we had that blood moon, the full moon, I noticed a cloud in the sky that looked like it had a light source to it. And I was thinking, oh, maybe it's a planet or a star behind it. And it was nothing like that. And then none of the other clouds were lit up. They were all dark in the sky. The moon wasn't anywhere near it. It wasn't any stars or planets. There wasn't any planes behind it. And it was just like all the other clouds were dark and this one was light and it looked like it had a light source behind it and it just dissipated. And I Have you ever heard of anybody seeing anything like that? Maybe it was something stuck in the firmament. <laughs> it a, was a joke. It, <laughs> like at first when he called me out there, you know, that was our first thing. It was like, maybe it's the moon behind the cloud. And I was like, no, the moon's over there. And it was the same size as what the moon would have been in the sky. It was so bright. And then in an instant, it was gone. Now, it, can, I ask, can I ask a quick question? Yeah. Was it moving with the other clouds or was it sitting still? No, it was its own thing. Stationary, yeah. I was. Uh, that was in the movie Nope. It's a cloud. That's where the alien Oh, yeah. Well, that ended up, I don't think it was an alien. That was a monster. <laughs> it was in the shape of I haven't watched the movie. It wasn't in the shape of a UFO that turned into like almost like a friggin' jellyfish. Yeah. Yeah. I've saw pictures. I've never watched the show. Um, I will say that the episode that got me a warning and the video is not on YouTube. It's on all the other stuff, but it's not on YouTube. Um and it was it was banned not because of 
the actual topic. It was banned because of a certain thing that happened like three years ago. My other podcast, we call it the Beast Era, because I can't use that word if you're on YouTube. I don't want to have that algorithm get triggered for you. I'll explain off air if I can. Um, but yeah, basically, uh, he was talking about, you know how iPhones have, uh, if you take a picture, it's like got a little bit of motion to it, like the live photo or something they call it. He captures what he believes to be aliens in the clouds. He thinks the clouds are actually all aliens and he sees faces in the clouds and he catches all these other, if you do the live motion, he catches people and their faces change. So he says, these are like people in disguise. And again, I'm not here to discredit anyone. That's what he believes. And I, I 100% believes he believes that, but doesn't mean I have to believe it. Right. But it's, it's one of those things like he's got a dedicated, Facebook group, he's posting stuff there all the time. And some of the stuff he does post up there does look interesting. I will give him that. But that was the basis of the episode. And you just mentioned the things behind the clouds or whatever. And his research that he's doing and the things he's, he claims these clouds are actually aliens and they're UFOs hidden in clouds. That's John, when he saw that, he was like, oh, they're just watching us. That's the watchers. But it was just weird. It was just like the only lit up. Thing other than the stars and you couldn't see the stars that well because of all the other darkened clouds and it's just like a little poof and then it just was there and then it just dissipated I, I hadn't seen it and I, I I'm pretty skeptical when it comes to those kind of things but it was just something I couldn't explain I mean I don't think it was swamp gas this time <laughs> two years ago I was on my back deck and I didn't know what it was at the time but I started seeing something going across the sky and something right behind it, something else right behind it. And my wife's pregnant with my son. And I'm like yelling for her. It's like, you have to come look at this. All these lights were just following each other. One after another, one after I started recording it. And then I found out it was uh, Skylink or whatever it's called. Starlink. Elon Musk is inter- satellite systems. Yeah. They, they got me. They got my brother. My brother sent me like three like freaked out text messages at like eight o'clock at night, eight thirty in the morning, or, or eight thirty at night. Just like, dude, dude, it's happening. They're coming. And <laughs> it was, that was the explanation. That was such a letdown. I, I was like so excited too. I was like, finally, <laughs> I was like, this is awesome. And then uh, I started looking online, and it says that's what start. I'm like shit. So, like it's cool. I mean, it's, you got to see Starling, but at the same time, I'm like, it's not the aliens. I thought they were coming. <laughs> thought it was finally happening. Now, with the government talking of openly about all of this, do you think it's finally them coming to terms with we finally got to just be honest with everybody, or do you think there's something hidden, like a hidden agenda behind what they're doing now with like the Tic Tac? I think that's kind of a shit show, to be honest. They're not going to allow any real truth to get out there. Not anything that they don't want. And I think the guy, that Grush guy, he seems to be kind of like what I just said earlier about the people that I interviewed. I think he believes everything he's saying, but I think he's been fed this information. I don't think he realizes that he's being the puppet. Like the other guys I think are really credible. The pilot and then the other guy, I can't think what their names are. I think those guys are credible. And I think the new guy that came into a grush, he's the, yes, I, I'm a whistleblower. I'm a whistleblower. 
Really? Like that useful idiot. What are you whistleblowing? Literally everything you're talking about is stuff that's, well, I can't talk about that. Why well, can't, then you're not a whistleblower. Like what was really disclosed in this newest thing that hasn't really been talked about already? Nothing. There's a lot of showmanship in the UFO world. Like there was a guy, um, I don't, I don't remember his name off the top of my head, but he was well known in the UFO circle. And this dude would show up and give speeches at conferences and he would hire bodyguards. And that was just to convey a look at how important I am. Was look at the, the I, I don't remember the, uh, the information I'm about to share right now is so, it's so serious that I might get killed. I need a bodyguard. And so it's, it's kind of hard it's hard to take a lot of that information, a lot of those people serious, because you do have, there is a, a self-importance that comes with it. And then like, you end up with like Tom DeLong and t- I, I 100% believe somebody went to Tom DeLong and said, Hey, here's this information that I have. I want you to share it to the world. I 100% believe that they did that. Now, the information they gave him, is it real? Probably not. But, you know, that's, that's just, that's the way that counterintelligence works. There's one person that I've always, even though they've tried to discredit him, is Bob Lazar. Back, what was it, in the 1980s when he came out about the whole Area 51 stuff and he'd even mentioned like Element 119, I think it was. Mm-hmm. At the time, that didn't exist, but now... I'm pretty sure it does exist. And he talked about it like 30 years before it was completely discovered. That's convenient. But yep. they're like, oh, this guy's crazy. He's full of crap. He's, he doesn't really never went here. He never did. Well, how's he got pictures of himself from a news article when he went to MIT or whatever, or Los Alamos, wherever he was stationed? Like, I think that 100, dude, 100%, that's a whole episode. Yes. I think that dude was 100% honest and. He's basically just been written off as a grifter. But here's the thing. He went in like solitude for how many years? He never appeared on anything. He never tried to make money off of it. He came forward and then just vanished. And then lately he's popped up here and there. But other than that, the dude, he's like a pharmacist out wherever the hell he lives at. He's not trying to talk about the shit anymore. So it's like, if he's really trying to swindle people for money, he did a terrible job at it. Yeah. Right. And his story's never deviated. It's always stayed pretty much the same. And that's kind of hard for somebody that's going to be like trying to make stuff up over yeah. the years. Like I said, I've yeah. always, he's always been the one person because I watched that documentary when it came out. And the guy that made that documentary has a podcast called Weaponized. It's him and George Knapp. So it's Jeremy Corbell and George Knapp. I've been listening to their podcast. They're the ones that are actually behind a lot of this congressional stuff. Again, I don't necessarily think they're trying to spread misinformation, but I'm not saying whatever information they're getting is not being fed to them to disinform everybody else. Well, so, yes, that's, it's tricky. All of that is tricky because you just you just never know, especially when you have people like this. So, so Paul Benowitz, are, are you guys good for a few more minutes? I'm good. Yeah, sure. Okay. Absolutely. So Paul Benowitz, he was a uh, he's a Coast Guard veteran, served in World War II. He was a pilot. He was a businessman, 
And his business, we were selling uh, electronic hardware to the military and to NASA. He, um, oh, let me just make sure I'm getting this accurate right here. Uh, so he was also a card-carrying member of Arizona's Aerial Phenomena Research Organization, and it was a role that he took very seriously. Now, this is also, so I think it's important to give some context here. This is during the mid-70s. So these are the, car, uh, the Cold War years. Uh, everyone felt like we were on the verge of World War III. Uh, it was also a time of disinformation and misinformation with the United States desperately trying to keep their secrets safe from the Russians. Though eventually, um, I'm sorry, equally important to the story is the uh, era in which pop culture really sank its teeth into the UFO phenomenon. So this is like, uh, this is just post Star Trek, but the 70s is also when Planet of the Apes came out, Alien came out, and then Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Now, Paul lived outside of Kirtland Air Force Base in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And um, oddly enough, around this same time, there was a rash of animal mutilations, which there's a lot of stuff going on with that. Like there's a um, conspiracy, uh, I shouldn't say conspiracy theory out there. The uh, Air Force definitely detonated a nuclear bomb underground. And there's a group of people out there who believe that the cow mutilations were the Air Force secretly testing the livestock to see if the radiation had seeped into the milk and the food around. Um, a journalist made a documentary out there called Strange Harvest. Haven't watched it yet, but it was brought up several times when doing research for this. Um, so Paul like spend time outdoors. Uh, one night he started seeing a weird light and started seeing some weird things flying around. And like any card-carrying member of a UFO group, he began to document it. The man took hours and hours of footage with weird lights and things zipping across the sky. Now, it would later be revealed that the Air Force was testing different technologies there, such as drones and a space laser that pointed at Soviet satellites, which you can, I don't think that's real at all. That sounds like a silly thing. Uh, but given everything that was going around, the animal mutilations, everything in pop culture, um, and this time we also start seeing some people saying they were abducted, Paul immediately went to um, UFOs. Now, this kind of kind of where things got weird. So through uh, the APRO, Paul was introduced to a lady named My Myrna Hansen. I'm just going to call her Miss Hansen. I can't pronounce her first name. Um, now, Paul brought in probably one of the best names that isn't a fake name that I've ever come across. So it's Dr. Leo Sprinkle. <laughs> and uh, Dr. S was a, psychologi was a psychologist. Um, and a professor at the University of Wyoming. And um, I'm just going to read from one of my source materials. This is uh, from Greg Bishop's Project Beta, story of Paul Benowitz, National Security and the Creation of the Modern UFO Myth. So when Sprinkle arrived, the three spoke informally about the case while Sprinkle put Hansen under hypnosis to access her. I'm sorry. I misread that. So when Sprinkle arrived, the three spoke informally about the case for a little while, and then Sprinkle put Hansen under hypnosis to access details that she couldn't recall consciously. When it was ineffective, Benowitz and Hansen both wanted to take the hypnotic regression to Benowitz's Lincoln Town Car, which was parked in the family garage, sealed, or the windows were sealed with tight aluminum foil. 
Both were under the impression that the aliens were beaming some sort of rays at her and controlling her unconscious mind. It was obvious that Benowitz uh, was planning dangerous ideas in her mind, and she was made more receptive by the fear and confusion she was experiencing in her daily life. Sprinkle was flabbergasted about doing the hypnotic regression in the car, but said it seemed to make both people feel better, so I went along with it. Which I think is it's pretty pretty interesting because all of us at some point in our life have had to deal with somebody where we had to pretend like what they were saying was normal. And I think that's kind of what went through this guy's mind at that moment. Um, but while, while Hanson was under hypnosis, uh, she described your stereotypical alien abduction. Yeah, you know, she was undressed. She was experimented on. Um now, the relationship between Hanson and Benowitz would last for some time. And there's it's kind of kind of gets muddy right here. But Sprinkle was either kicked off the team or he left. Uh, but either way, they split, and Benowitz was able to bring in another professor to get involved with hypnotism. Now, this is also when we start really seeing a strange turning point in Benowitz, who uh, begins he's, – he's armed with all this information that he has right now. Now, there's a firsthand account of an alien, uh, an aggressive alien, a hostile alien abducting a woman. Uh, now, with his information, he came up with his theory. Uh, his theory is that there were two warring factions that had invaded Earth. There were the white aliens that came in peace, looking for intergalactic brotherhood. And then there were the greys. Those are the real bastards. And they're the ones responsible for all the fuckery that was going on. Now, the logic was kind of wonky here, but Paul believes that the greys struck a deal with the government to give them technology in exchange for an underground base. He then takes his information to Kirtland Air Force Base. So I'm kind of kind of lost there, like how he thought, like, okay, well, the government knows about it. Let me tell the government what's going on. So Paul calls a meeting, and uh, his goal is to warn the Air Force and to get a research grant. And I didn't get any clear information, but there was mention from several of the source documents that he received a $75,000 grant. Uh, but again, I couldn't verify that independently. Now, during his meeting with these higher-ups on the, uh, the base, several of them straight up walked out mid midway through his talk. But one of the interested parties was a member of the counterintelligence community. And uh, the NSA and CSR, CIA, CIA were involved, but I didn't have a lot of information about them in the situation. But I do think it's important to uh, note their involvement because there were reports of the NSA setting up outside of his house and tapping his phones, which definitely fueled Benowitz's paranoia as he descended into madness. Now, for right now, though, I do want to focus on Richard Doty. He is a, um, he worked for the Air Force Office of Special Investigations. He was in the disinformation, wasn't he? Yeah, that's exactly, he was a, uh, he, he was mentioned several times, but he's also come out publicly to talk about his role in the situation. He's appeared, he's appeared on multiple documentaries and it's really hard to tell when the dude's lying and when he's telling the truth. But you know, he's he's Richard. So what are you know, what are you gonna do? Right. <laughs> um so the two primary um purposes of the OSI are obviously conduct investigations, but also to run counterintelligence missions. Now, my own interactions with OSI have had two of them. Um the only one that really matters is uh I met a, uh, there's a girl I knew who was, she was supposedly a member of OSI and her job was to go honeypot officers at bars to go see what they would tell you 
and see what kind of information you can get out of them. So this is kind of where it starts tying into what we've talked about a little bit. So Dodie launches like a two-pronged attack to uh, give Benowitz false information. And this was to keep him yelling, hey, they're aliens and not, hey, it's our new airplane. Because the last thing we wanted is for the Soviets to find out what our technology actually was. So he did this by giving information, to, false information to Benowitz, and he also enlisted big names in the UFO community to pass along bad information as well. Now, this includes Bill Moore, which is the man who wrote books about Roswell and the Philadelphia Experiment. He really ushered in the Roswell into mainstream uh, pop culture during the 70s and 80s, whenever it came out. Now, Doty was playing, I mean, he was playing like three chess. Like, I mean, so what he was doing is he was promising to give more the real information if more gave Benowitz fake information. And some of these stories are like they're, they're bonkers. Like uh, in one instance, um, Doty gave more a document that said that President Eisenhower met with aliens. And then he altered the document to give for more to give to Benowitz. Now, what Moore did is he went to Benowitz's office he, with a stereo in one hand and a briefcase in the other hand. He and Paul went into a private room. Uh, Moore turned on the radio, turned it up loud so that he could drown out the possible bugs. Now, Moore describes this information once he gave it to Benowitz as like he was overwhelmed with joy, jumping up and down. Because this is like this is actual evidence that his theories that there's like an impending alien invasion was like, here it is, a signed stamp with this document. In another instance, uh, the leaders of the APRO uh, was convinced to give Paul a, um, a fake computer, well, I shouldn't say fake, an actual computer to help solve one of the mysteries that he was chasing. So in the process of recording the aliens, he was also taking um, audio recordings and this computer gave Paul a way to decipher those strange beeps that he was hearing. The computer basically spewed out a bunch of random words. It didn't amount to anything but it was enough for Paul to fill in the gaps to reinforce his darkness theories. The cycle of bad information uh, went on for years and um, coming from both actual government officials and his friends. And it led to some estrangement in his family. It also led to really deep seated paranoia. And the man ended up barricaded in his house with a gun and spin it up. He ended up spending about a month in the mental institution. This is later in his life too. I think nine years later he would pass on. Um, but the consequences sent reverberations across the UFO community, and two of the biggest and loudest names in the um, in the UFO community were compromised. And our government has polluted the UFO information so much that it's hard to tell our ass from our elbow. So, a lot of that what we're talking about these situations are have been fed like to so the pop like what we think of as aliens what we think of as weird spreads into okay well now it's a bigfoot story well now it's a dogman story well now it's a wendigo story and a lot of that's centered around a disinformation campaign that was launched by the government during the cold war did you say that that was going on in nevada that was albuquerque new mexico oh uh see uh, the other day i was uh watching something and i heard about um in uh nevada they have a casino that is completely shut off from the public 
and it's run by the government and big tech companies and people running the casino industry just to find out how they can manipulate people with their risk and reward behavior patterns. And it's just to study behavior patterns. So I wouldn't be surprised if that maybe like ties in with that too, that they're just trying to see how they can manipulate people. And like you said, it was basically the guy was giddy and full of joy with like that. Oh, someone's finally believing me. I'm wondering if that just like, they have just a big, research and development into that, like to see how they can manipulate all of that. And I wonder if that's where that's coming from. It's very eager, very eager to find out the answer. Right. And that's, yeah. that's what, that's what, that's why I just don't believe what they're putting out. I think that there is some real information in there. Right. But what, what's real, what's not real. Um, I do believe the pilots though. I do believe the pilots have seen the pilots had seen things. I know originally with what you were just sharing, he he had set up to try to say that he was intercepting their messages and decoding government messages. And then when it started become becoming more like he was intercepting aliens and stuff like that, that's whenever, you know what I mean, like he really thought he was on to something, he contacted them. And they were like, oh, my God, yeah, well, keep seeing what you can find out. But really, they were just feeding it to him to see, you know what I'm saying? And like, I, I, I studied a little bit into that, too. Yeah, it's, it's it really is wild. And I, I just it broke right. my heart a little bit knowing that that was going on. All on taxpayer I'm dimes. To believe. Another it was an experiment just up. to see how how crazy they could make this man, basically. Yeah, well, it <laughs> worked. It worked, and all of us have a weird uncle now. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's all because of these experiences. Experiments, rather. There's one thing during the recent congressional hearings that was actually said that for some reason it was never really picked up on by anyone that I've noticed. And I think it was mentioned before, maybe it's on my conspiracy, one of the conspiracy episodes I'd just done recently. But did you happen to notice when he said that uh, outside government, I don't know the exact term, basically there were forces outside the government controlling the government. Like he only mentioned it once and it was strange that it was even allowed to be said because if he's being fed these things, why would he say there's agencies outside the federal government? Said the loud part, part out loud. Yeah. Or, or the quiet part out loud, I mean. Yeah, it's like the one time he actually may be spoke something true that he probably shouldn't have said. Like that was the... You'd have to, I don't know exactly where he said it. And I don't know the exact verbiage he used, but I know it was picked up on that he said something about... Um, there are agencies outside the federal government or who controls these, whatever he said, agencies outside the federal government. Well, who would that be? If you're the federal government, which agency is above the federal government? Right. And that's one of those lines that can be dissected by so many people too. Yeah. Well, there's a certain billionaire that everybody loves so much that um, during this Russian and Ukraine situation, he had a certain area of his communications that he was allowing Ukraine to use because um, it was furthering their agenda and they wanted to get communications to a certain region 
and he realized that he was now involved in a war. So he decided that he was just going to cut that off and not play ball with them. And you know what I'm saying? It's, it's some of these, these guys that become billionaires, they suddenly realize that they're also caught up in global agendas. Yeah, there's, there's so much going on that, uh, again, this is a rabbit hole could just go on forever. Basically, I just think the upper echelon of the elites and the rich and everything else, there's agencies that make money off these things. The truth will never come out when it reflects because of the money. Think of all the power and the money that's out there for anyone that has the power to take this technology. If it isn't human technology and if it is, say, aliens or interdimensional or whatever you want to refer to it as and we have a hold of it they're not going to be open about it just because they want that power and it isn't about the safety of the citizens they don't give a shit about us it's literally the safety of their pocketbooks that's all it's about it just it makes me wonder though like oh well, go ahead, dude. I was just saying money. I was just going to say, like, why now? Why is it all of a sudden? Is it just because we've gotten to a point that the over greater majority of us are too critical thinking that they realize that they can't do like they did in the past and just, you know, use mass media or mainstream media to control the populace and they're just having to switch their game plans or are they just realizing that it's getting to a point that you can't control us. The internet set us all free and now they're just trying to find ways to censor it or just use disinformation. That's where I'm at with it now. Anything that comes on my television from a news station or across my phone screen as a story or whatever, you have to look at the source. If it's supposedly the retrustable, reliable news information, I usually don't take that as reliable. Right. I feel like whatever's well, being whatever's being pushed is to set the narrative for whatever the actual next step is. It's such a monopoly. I mean, used to there was five oil companies. Now there's only two. Used to there was 12 to 13 media outlets. Now there's three. I mean, it's... It's so close-minded and agenda-based these days that it's just the well, people well, it, who have the money are the ones that have the power to to project these images. And, and that kind of goes with what he was talking about earlier, that there's like when he mentioned that there's these people that are kind of controlling behind the scenes above the government. And it's like, well, you're supposed to be the ones in charge, but you, we'll never probably get to that next step because that's when you hear like, oh, wait, aliens. Yeah, there's aliens now. Uh, did we forget to tell y'all people? Aliens. It's like, uh, what else is going on? The aliens. <laughs> I don't remember well, when it... Aliens come from a, a government playbook. If we all have a common threat, then we have a new enemy we can focus on, and it'll globally unite us instead of going to World War Three. Project Bluebeam, yeah. Yeah, that's the biggest thing going on right now is Bluebeam. Now, the guy I interviewed last night, I think I mentioned a little bit ago, he believes that the government, I don't know, well, I don't want to put words into his mouth, so I won't say this is what he believes. But basically, from what I gathered, there are multiple races at play, and 
basically the uh, reptilians, which again, I don't know jack squat about aliens or whatever. I know there's all these Pleiadians, reptilians, the greys. There's all these different races. They feed on the negativity. They feed on the bad energy, the lower vibrations of humans. And in order to have that, you need wars, you need anger, you need hatred. And that's the stuff that they feed on. And to me, my own assumption would be if that is true, which I'm not saying it is, I'm not saying it's not. I don't know. I've never seen one. But if that's true, it makes sense as to why we were always set up the way we are because they need us for our negativity and it's almost like humans are designed at this point to be negative towards everybody we have yep hatreds and wars and everything like we were literally nothing but negativity and they say the same about ghosts and demons and the interdimensional beings that they all feed on negativity too so it does make me wonder if like we were talking earlier about if this is just something, it, it's not something necessarily from outer space. It's just something from a different realm or a different existence at the same time that like you just said, it it's setting us up to have all this negativity because it's just growing stronger and stronger and manifesting. The closer you get to the truth, the more something will come up to push you further away. So if they're using the alien narrative to make people think of one thing, maybe what people consider demons and rep like these, the old things that people said, the serpents, the snake, that was the old demonic things, like the devil was the snake and this and that. That was, was a reptile. Well, maybe it's a metaphor for what these things actually are. So maybe what people think were demons and devils were actually just reptilians. I mean, that's that's just a crackpot theory I'm throwing out there. But, I mean, at, at any point, it's kind of makes sense. Well, when we were talking about the media, you know, and the negativity that's spreading, like... It's just in human nature, whether it's um, whether it's, you know, your consumable Internet, whether it's your your media or even down to gossip. You know what I'm saying? Good news doesn't travel. It's bad news that travels. It's the negative that travels. You know, I know I if somebody's like, I just had a healthy baby grandbaby. Nobody gives a shit. But, you know, what I'm saying if that baby was eaten by cannibals, then everybody wants to hear about it. No one wants to hear the good stories these days. Absolutely not. Well, boys, I think that's a good wrap right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's all negative. We're all going to die because it's reptiles. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the glowing positive optimism. That's they're, they're getting they're. They're getting us to feed into it right now. We're 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 doing what they want us to do. We're getting a midnight snack. <laughs> you know what? If, let's end up on a light note. Um, did you guys hear about the Venezuela prison that just got seized by the government in Venezuela? No, dude. I didn't. So they had an intricate tunnel system that they dug out and inside this prison that the gang had completely taken over, they had a full zoo. They had an in-ground pool. They had a Tokyo-based nightclub with neon lights and alcohol. They had a full arsenal of weapons and a daycare because they had made their own families in there with the women of the prison. And they needed somebody to watch the children during the day. (laughs) This is absolutely fact. (laughs) I will definitely look that up. All right. Well, Brandon, you want to put your plug real quick before we sign off? 
Yeah, I can do that here real quick. If you guys want to check out what I've been up to, I host a podcast called Tinfoil Tales. It is available on YouTube. It is available on Apple, Spotify. I don't know if Stitcher exists these days. I think it does, but maybe not. Basically, any of the streaming platforms, you can find it on there. I also host a podcast called Dark Side of the Scene. That is strictly for talking to musicians. That might not be sticking around much longer. We kind of are on the fence about it. We might do another season eventually, but we're probably going to wrap up this one just because it's hard to manage to do two shows that constantly take so much and work a full-time job and have four kids. (laughs) So it's a lot on my plate. But uh, I did just write a book. It's called Shadows of Cedarville. It is available now for $7.99 on Amazon. It's also on Kindle. And eventually there will be an audio version that's supposedly being made currently. And if you're into the Dogman lore or anything like that, it's kind of influenced from my experience and what I did is podcasting. But I basically wrote a fictionalized story into it. It's kind of a psychological horror story. So if you guys want to check that out. It is now available, and I would like reviews because it would help me out. So even if it sucks, just say it sucks. I don't care. I'd like to know the truth. I don't like people giving me great reviews just because I'd rather know that I'm terrible so I don't ever do it again. (laughs) But but that's that's the gist of it. Again, it's 10 Foil Tales. I I have new episodes every Tuesday. Well, Brandon, thank you so much for being on. And uh, if you don't mind, just hang out for just a second. Yeah, thank you guys for having me on. It's been a pleasure. Thank you.